0: You know those guys that had a mustache when we were like in middle school? He's that, yeah. one of those guys, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they and grew so, it out
1: so proudly, even though it was like super ratty.
0: Yeah. And you were just like, ugh, <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, don't, don't, don't look like, it. Maybe daddy should teach you to shave. But anyway.
1: Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. Eww.
0: Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. This is Tyree.
1: I'm Julia. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week we are talking about 1978's The Fury. Title of this episode is The Power of the Human Mind. Tagline for this movie: An experience in terror and suspense. Meh. Yeah.
0: It Man. is. It is. It's. I mean, it's, it's 1978.
1: But <laughs> you're, this is this is Brian De Palma's follow-up to Carrie. Right. Like you, okay. you, he, you got some buildup going on here. Like you need to, This is going to be bigger and better than Carrie, which it's not. But it, it, they're, they're aiming for it. Right. Like they're aiming for it. The fact that this is the follow up to Carrie is bananas to me that he went from like telekinetic teen to telekinetic teen straight back to back is crazy. Well, that's uh, so that's what movie, the people wanted. Right. Of course. Sure, but most right? actors won't do that. You know, if they're like, oh, I just made this movie. I don't want to make it again. Most movies, most, but he does it. And I'm like, all right, good for you. So this was written by John Ferris uh, that is based on his novel. And there's actually four novels in this series. Uh, I have only read the first one, but I. uh How is it? Um, it's interesting, and we'll be talking about the differences a lot during this episode. Uh, the, the, the main difference is they age them up quite a bit. So they're supposed to be 14 in the book, uh, which oh. becomes comes problematic uh and here they're more you know 16 18 something like that um so we this i mean this has got to, this is a heavy hitter a movie we got brian de palma we got a john williams score uh we got ourselves some, some kirk douglas
0: it's it's pretty intense this john is cassavetes charlie I like, like, Amy Irving, like this whole cast as, as soon as I saw that because I didn't look it up like I was like I think this is that movie that I've heard you tangentially talk about that's mm-hmm. similar to Firestarter that was like yeah. all I had in my brain because okay. I saw like a little bit of the cover but I didn't look up the cast I was like I was like I stopped myself from looking at okay. anything extra so Good when girl. the names popped up on the screen I was like oh, what who oh my yes. gosh I freaked out this is like a stack stack stacked cast.
1: Uh, well, this movie is the linchpin now, in, um I have gone through a whole... So uh, we had done... So Firestarter is one of my favorite Stephen King's uh, books and movies. Uh, right. Then we had watched Scanners, which I hadn't watched. And Scanners is so similar to Firestarter that I was like, what the fuck? Come on, yeah. this can't be coincidental. And then people were like, oh, we'll have you read slash seen The Fury. And I was like, what? No. So I went back and I was like, holy fucking shit. So the thing is, reading uh, The Fury there's some so similar there's lo, the similarities that are so they can't be coincidental as far as firestarter goes because we right. have the like government agencies uh but in the agency in both the fury and firestarter you have a native american person who's working there you have a transvestite who's working there they're like they're taking telekinetic kids to do and i was like i don't know so here's my theory so The Fury is kind of a ripoff of Carrie, right? Carrie, the book came first, and this mm-hmm. is kind of a Carrie ripoff, right? you got telekinetic teens and the whole bit. Uh, right. And then, so then, but then Firestarters kind of rip off of The Fury. So it's like, if you're ripping off the person who
0: ripped you off, is it all even Is it Steven? really ripping off? Or is it, or are you just like, hey guys, we both want to make these telekinetic things. and like, let's just do it we can be yeah. homies and like make similar movies. Like we're going to do deep impact in Armageddon. Let's do this. You know what I mean? They're like, sure. <laughs> uh, but you don't understand the depths of the Julia Marchesi brain. And I'm like, no, wait, I will get to
1: the bottom of this. Who is doing the nosebleed first? Who is doing this first? Did you it's, figure it
0: out? Have you done it? Have you done a flow chart yet? Because that's well, what we really need to know.
1: I think the nosebleed comes from because in the Fury, they make she makes they make other people bleed, right? Like they don't bleed uh-huh. themselves, right? So like think Firestart is the first nosebleed on themselves. Although mm-hmm. it's not in the book, it's only in the movie. So ah, uh, so that could have been like a director, yeah, like it's only in movie, not in the book. Did I say that right? The nosebleed yes. is only in the movie, not in the book. Right, yes. But so then scanners would technically, it's, see how complicated this is. No, nobody in the world cares about this as much as I do. And thank you for listening what to me. What it I'm going want, Julia, is a
0: flow chart and a presentation. I'm going to need a PowerPoint next time I see you. Gotcha, gotcha. We need to do that. Like like I, I have some friends that um like they got together or they saw, I think it was a meme, some girls got together and they all just did like presentations, like PowerPoints for a party, like just for fun. Us? And they just random topics for each other, just for like a girl's night. And I think that's hilarious. And I was like, I feel like we have some friends that would get me down to do that like yeah like a really random topic they're like I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole for you guys like educate you on the most random thing (laughs) I would listen to you do that
1: for yeah no problem and this is an actually interesting (laughs) casting here because Amy Irving who we know uh, as Sue Snell in Carrie was originally up for Carrie the part of Carrie and and they switched her to be Sue Snell so this is the kind of alternate universe where Where she she gets to be
0: Carrie kind of
1: Carrie and I think they made the right choice I think this is the 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 choices have made of, ki- of casting her in this and not in Carrie was correct. Yeah. I think Sissy Spacek was the right Part choice. Not amazing. I think, I think, yeah. Well, because Amy Irving's too pretty. Right. And in the, in the fury they describe her in the book a lot as being very pretty. Uh, right. And, and Amy Irving's a very pretty girl and not Su- Sissy Spacek's not, but she's got the whole, she's like know.
0: an alien. I love her. She's like, she one spin, like otherworldly a little bit, you know? So I love that about Sissy Spacek so much. And she's, yeah, she's more unconventional beauty so yeah so let's get into it uh this movie
1: opens we are in uh the mid-east in
0: 1977 and we meet mid-east somewhere
1: just (laughs) mid-east it looks like greece (laughs) mid-east so uh Uh we meet uh mr childress who is played by mr cassavetes and then we have robin and peter sanza uh having a little sun and pomp romp in the in the sea so it's 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 meant to look wholesome but it looks
0: awkward it Um, looks awkward it's nambla i'm sorry it looks really awkward (laughs) like it's (laughs) not but you know what who am i to judge but also like you said these kids were supposed to be younger initially in the book so i feel like if this was something from the book like that makes sense If like it's like your 14 year old or 13 year old son you're like roughhousing a little on the beach but because they're both grown-ass men and kirk douglas is clearly like an older father at this point. Like yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, it looks weird, but what? I love that the competition they have, they're trying to like, who can outswim each other. And then they end up like rolling around on the beach for a second.
1: God, having like a competitive dad sounds like the worst thing ever. It sounds like the whole life is a competition of like, can you be dad? Jesus? No, thanks. But Robin and Peter both seem be happy, and they're and they're having a nice conversation. They're going to move to Chicago. There's a special school in Chicago that can help Robin with his special talents, which are undefined at this point. Right. Uh, and then uh, and better to Peter. meet
0: girls, you know, and he's going yeah. to play football and not not soccer anymore, Dad, because he's in Europe or whatever, or in like in the the Middle East, and they prefer soccer over American football. You mm-hmm. know, I love this moment.
1: Of course. Uh, So Mr. Childress comes over to talk to Peter. He deliberately separates Robin and Peter uh, conveniently right when a terrorist attack occurs and which has just been designed by Childress to take Robin down. So, I mean, sorry, take Peter down so he can steal Robin, Robin to take him away for his special powers. So we get Kirk Douglas immediately stunting it up and just going crazy for these people. Like he's not going down. You clearly, he's a trained fighter.
0: Oh he's an operative. I was like, "Whoa, okay. Okay, do your little thing." Like um it felt very like Mission Impossible those kind of like sequences where, you know, you can tell like okay, it's stunted, but like he's doing his best. He's not he's not he's not Tom Cruise, but he's doing a good job, you know, running around, getting his little his his gun and you know taking the gun from like somebody who's trying to ambush him and like he makes his way out of there but we don't realize he's made his way out of there because it looks like an explosion happens and it looks like he dies out in the water on a boat that explodes uh and robin sees this and freaks out because his dad is gone his bff as we've just established a moment ago which is why they had that such a cuddle cuddle moment obviously to establish that they're like bffs um and it breaks him and now he's going to end up having to go to this school on his own and he's doesn't have a support system that he normally would. So this cannot be good for him.
1: And Peter sees that uh, there, it has been a setup, sees the Childress has set it up and now has his means of revenge, his one goal and focus as he's going to assess to get his son back uh, for the next several years. So we flash forward to Chicago in 1978 uh, and we hang out with our, our leads. We got, uh, so, so I, when I read this book, I, I would per se their name Gillian like Gillian Anderson, right? But in the movie they say Gillian, so we're going with what they're saying in, in yeah it's the Gillian. Gillian,
0: Gillian. I have a friend Gillian, reg- Did- one of my regulars at karaoke. She's probably listening to this episode. I love you, Gillian. Uh, hi. Yeah. So. um that must be confusing
1: then to have a name that can be pronounced two ways. And like never, you never know the first time to you meet people. Like,
0: you always yeah. have to tell people. So it is what it is. But I, I love I love a Gillian and uh, to Gillian with love. Um, and I love <laughs> this this opening sequence of we um, that De Palma. It's such a De Palma shot of like them walking on the beach, a bajillion extras crossing the frame. We're yeah. watching the backs of our leads, not the front while they talk at the beginning gorgeous like i was just like oh this is what i'm here for i'm here for this yeah. like tracking shot of them walking on the beach but then clearly they're being followed you can s- all, all of a sudden you start seeing the like the, the the inner workings of whatever network is trying to follow these girls as they walk and talk um and someone trying to push into her brain this is great
1: yes so the person that we have pushing into her brain a uh, character's name is raymond dunwoody played by your friend and mine william finley better known as uh the phantom, the of, phantom the of the Paradise.
0: I was so excited. I was like, oh, Obama likes his people. He has his people. And this is one of his dudes. And I wish there was more of him in the movie. That's all I have I agree. to say about that. I was like, this I is all, all I'm going to get. I literally am going to just get just, just get these two scenes you, in the beginning. You, you tease us with the Finley and you take it away. Nothing else. I would love to see him again.
1: So he looks rough and he calls a Mr. Johnson. Uh, and so he uh, is basically saying, I found the girl, the a girl you're looking for, this girl who's psychic. And on." The beach, and he's clearly in a state of distress, uh, and something is up, but we do not know yet what it is. Um, so we uh we we have uh now peter is in town looking for robin he gets trade they, they trace him to the plymouth hotel and we have a tremendous chase in which he's leaping
0: on roofs and like going bananas i love I, this chase I, sequence this is fun he really yeah. is like that guy who's like oh the ultimate you know um, operative like who's using his his skills his other set of specific set of skills um to mm-hmm. help in this um retrieval of his son so it's like you've trained him to be this type of way, and now this is turned turn against the, the, the organization. Right. You know? So he right. works for um a company, or did work for a company called Morg, which is Multiphasic
1: Operations Research Group, uh, which is uh, like the shop in Firestarter or Consec in Scanners, this mm-hmm. kind of uh, nebulous government agency that we don't know. Exactly Under the where radar, it calls, no one else really knows. Yeah, kind of yeah. a secret government agency. But mm-hmm. he has been trained to be the best of the best and kill. He's a assassin, basically, so he can run with the best. So he ends up uh, in, a, in a unnecessarily wacky sidearm, if you ask me, of him going into these neighbor's apartment and ha- asking for clothes because he's been running around in his underwear this whole time. And you know, Kirk Douglas is the light. I like that he gives a hundred percent, and you can tell that he was just like, "I'm doing this stunt. I'm jumping to that roof. Like you guys can't." And I'm sure Bob De Palma's gonna let him let him go.
0: If he yeah, wants he's to charming go, yeah. as heck. You know, trying to talk. This is like the like I just keep thinking of Tom Cruise with Top Gun right now. It's like very similar age bracket, I feel like, of these guys like doing these stunts. Right. Um, and using the train, you know, um, to cover and hide and that couple who I love, though, like very New York character actors, like couple moment. And then the grandmother that he befriends and like. Sweet talks, and so you can just you get his charm factor, and like that he has the set of skills that's not just about shooting guns and like running around and doing stunts, like he also has like the power of suggestion and the power of all this other stuff that he kind of uses as well. Yeah. He's you like a super he's of, like
1: a super spy.:
0: Yes, yes, fully. Um so we we
1: flashed to Gillian at school where uh we there's a, a biofeedback experiment uh where they were using uh, ESP uh, to make a make a train go. they're talking about your alpha waves and, and so on so a little forth. Toy train, um, yeah. The, you wouldn't be surprised, Harry. Uh there is a chart in this in this uh
0: shot one through six one through six yes. did, you t- did you write, write down, down everything on i know i, I knew you would i wrote yeah. i wrote on train one to six and i was like julia will probably write down all of these so get, you know give me them to us i so do so well so there's i think this
1: is this is A little ham-fisted, but also probably necessary, where there's a chart saying, like, what are the differences in all of these mental powers, just so the viewer knows. Uh, So we have mental telepathy. It's beautiful
0: exposition on the wall. Instead of having to tell us, we get the exposition on the
1: wall. I love it. Yeah, easy. Just a shot of this, and we're good to go. Uh, Mm -hmm. So here we go. Uh, Mental telepathy is a communication between one mind and another. Clairvoyance is the ability to see objects not present precognition is knowledge of future events. Psychic is one possessing mental abilities that defines scientific knowledge. So sci- psychic's like a catch-all then, right? Like it, all of these would fall under it. psychic. Right. Uh, then we have tele-, tele or psychokinesis, which is the ability to make object moves through thought alone. And then psychometry, which is the ability to tell the past, present, or future of an object or its owners through the touching of the object. Which yep. I think is a fun one, the one where you can do by touch. I think that one sounds fun. Although no, I don't going to, to a hotel like, and then just like touching a, a bed knob, yeah, that would be.
0: I would rather not have that power because you do not want to know sometimes the lineage of the things that you are touching. It's I... true. Going thrift store shopping would be <laughs> horror show. Nope, nope, nope. It's just, yeah. It's like how many people died in these clothes? So, yeah. um, I mean, I think about that all the time when I'm in a hotel room. Is that weird? Like, I'm just like, how many people died in this room? Like, I mean, I think about how many how many people have
1: had sex in this bed. I think about that. Oh, yeah.
0: Always that. I mean, that's that's a given. But like sure. how many have on top of that, then how many people died, like had heart attacks, didn't make it yeah. out of here, whatever. Mm-hmm. How many ghosts am I contending with, basically, is what I want to know. But I also don't want to know. Is, this is why so. you're a
1: good final girl, because you're taking these things into consideration. In case you're about it, you know what to do. Yep. Call Ghostbusters. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Gillian uh, immediately presents a tremendous
0: psychic ability uh, and she uses it. It's against- like off the charts. Like they ch- had it like an example of Hester, one of the teachers, like using the train thing. She's just like very chill. And then all of a sudden Gillian hooks up to it and you see that thing go like... fast fast forward it's wild so yes, yeah
1: they know so this is the paragon institute this is basically a recruitment presentation for to see if they have anybody so they found somebody uh so she is teased by some of the mean girls in school and she's like read my mind read my mind and so she pushes her until she she does read her mind and tells everybody that she's pregnant which she doesn't like and then the girl's nose begins to bleed copiously so this yeah. is and this is something they talk about and this is like an electromagnetic magnetic field that can make people bleed and i looked that up and i was like is that a real thing and i don't think it's a real thing but who fucking knows what the government like they could test it all sorts of fucking shit so who can say i don't know i um, do not maybe. think
0: it's a real thing i think it's a fun thing for movies and Yay. for books. yeah and i love that isn't daryl hannah one of the girls in the school uh-huh. in the scene too and i was just, her, just like oh my god her her, her first debut. Like, little thing She's like adorable. It's like Daryl Hannah and then like little center of this girl's Mm -hmm. circle that are that are teasing this poor girl. But we got Um, a shout out to the bully's glasses because her
1: her big, enormous 70s glasses were sending me so beautiful.
0: Her whole look, all of them. It was great. I love that scene and super fun Um, and also just very indicative of like, oh, no, don't set like, you know, the girl off that has all the powers. This is not a good move for you. and. Like they don't it understand feel it. like she she's mm-hmm. not
1: getting bullied like carrie's getting bullied right no. like she's sitting at their table at school so it's not like she's an outcast like uh, you know she has her well best they invited in the her because they
0: were intrigued by it it's like the other uh, one girl in the group though who's kind of like the the queen bee she's the right. one who seems threatened by her and so she's like i don't even think you're real like and like taunts her and then it's like right. oh well actually lady you're pregnant you got problems and ooh, she oh. does know more and she yes, is the she real does. deal
1: uh, but she's like the pretty rich version of Carrie, if you will. Yes. Yes. Uh, which very rich.
0: Her mom is insanely wealthy. We find out. Yes.
1: Oh yeah. They talk about in the book a lot and, and how much that actually saves her because she's a uh, Jennifer, uh, Gillian Belliver and apparently the Bellovers are really, really famous. Like the Rockefeller's famous. Yeah. They so have, like, there's a lot of times money. where they like, mm-hmm. like Paragon Institute and science Institute make people disappear. And they're like, we can't make her disappear because she's her family's So famous. they are too high so profile. I, people do right, know. Plays, plays yeah. into it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so so um, tell us uh, about how our friend Peter hijacked some cops.
0: Oh, my gosh. This is adorable. This is like very 70s fun funness. So there's these off duty cops that are like helping patrol in the evening, basically. Um, but they're off duty, but they're on duty, you know, kind of thing. Like they're basically being security guards for the night for like because this is the rough and tumble 70s in New York, not just like our regular or Chicago, know, sorry, Chicago, yeah. Chicago. Um, so they, uh, he goes in and, and, uh, he's dressed up like an old man as he's had to hide and get out of there. So he has his disguise on and some shinola in his hair that's all white. So he's trying to look like not conspicuous, but he looks so conspicuous. It's like painful as he walks, as he doesn't walk like an old man, he walks like a very alert, uh, <laughs> um, operative. Um, anyway, he ends up hopping into this cop car and basically gets them to, um, had to hightail him out of the area, and they freak out. He's got a gun in this guy's, you know, armpit, and the cops like, ah, oh, we can pull that away, guy. why Joe It gets, it's it very um, a vaudeville moment. I feel like they have. have it is, routine, and you got right? Dennis,
1: Dennis friends who's like, like chewing the scenery, twelve. having so much fun. <laughs> yeah, he's twelve, but he still looks like he's fifty. I'm sure he yes. did at twelve. I'm sorry, Dennis. I think Franz, he probably did. <laughs>
0: You know those guys that had a mustache when we were like in middle school? He's that one of those guys, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they grew it out
1: so proudly, even though it was like super ratty.
0: Yeah. And you were just like, ugh, (laughs) uncomfortable. Don't don't, don't look good. Maybe daddy should teach you to shave. But anyway, um, so they end up going on like a chase, and he leads them into. over this bridge and into some fog, and basically all these all the sedans from the the, the organization follow them through. And then as soon as they go in their childress, who's like the, the kingpin, the John Cassavetti's kingpin, he uh is like, Oh, they're done for if they're going to the fog, because like they know he knows how he's been trained and he knows that he he's gonna handle these guys like with a quickness, and he sure does. It's a it's a comedy of errors where one guy thinks he's shooting the their car, the cop car, but it turns out it's one of the other sedans because they all freaking look the same because it's a 70s and no one has a distinct car at this moment um, they're all just big sedans uh-huh. um, and so it ends up being a hot mess and they all ended up getting killed and um, I love how Kirk Douglas was like tell tell Childress uh, to follow to follow me you know tell him tell him tell him I uh, uh, hope his arm still hurts basically you know like he's just basically talk shit like yeah. I, I'm gonna get away from here as he drives a car into the water and, and it makes a mad escape out of there.
1: And it's just an, a message to children as well, right? That I can just run, run, run circles around your people and, you know, like, the, no problem. I'm way on top of this. Like, uh, keep sending but, me
0: people. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no problem.
1: I'm going to get my mm-hmm. son and I'm going to fucking kill you. And here we are. Yep. Uh, and they both kind of know it's true. Uh, yep. So poor poor cops uh, get the brand new car in the drink uh, and, and he goes down with it. But we all know that it's a ploy and he's fine. Uh, yep. So we have uh, mom uh gillian confessing to her mom that she thinks she's she's hurting people with touch so she doesn't yeah. want to be touched tells her mom not to touch her her wallpaper behind her in her room is fucking fabulous uh yeah, she's really
0: whole, oh the decor of this movie gorgeous yes
1: yeah because this is i mean to to know that you've uh hurt some you know you you can mind read somebody but then also you're hurting them with it is you know a different kind of yeah, people are bleeding yeah and she's yeah. like so it's stressful just, there's a there's a the the very basically the front half of this book is completely different uh where gillian uh, like has an episode on an ice rink and goes into a hospital for a long time and like when she wakes up the powers are like she's had them kind of but now they're like fully awake and so there's a lot of like her getting out of the hospital and her killing people in the hospital making them bleed and that kind of stuff so it's way more intense she gets like jolted
0: jolted open okay yeah completely um Mm -hmm. but
1: uh and and uh in that sequence when people Peter comes to rescue her, uh, he kisses her. So again, thirteen,
0: hmm, dubious. We'll oh, go on. I don't on. like that. I don't like that. I we're feel gonna like get that's... more
1: of it. We're gonna talk about more of this later, uh I think later there's... on in the story. Yep. A lot of uh, that in the seventies,
0: I'm feeling anyway. Well,
1: we're gonna get yeah, we're gonna be talking about some of that uh today. Okay. So, uh we Hester and Peter meet up uh, P- Peter is basically using Hester to get information from the Paragon Institute and his but they can only meet they have like a secret signal they can only meet in a van and he tells her they're always following her following her and so she tells him according to the records Robin's dead and he's like yeah but That's not true though. They're just the fucking records. Like they're trying to set me off guard. So like it kind of sort of affects him, but not really, because he knows it's a ploy. So he can't, but he's living in this universe where you can't trust anyone, which is a sad place to be. But I I think he's been in that space for so long, right? That's like the the cost of being a spy is you don't ever get it. He's been doing it for
0: over 20 years, let they said, right? Him and Mm -hmm. like and childress were together for over 20 years. They were like BFFs and like the organization. So he knows the capabilities that they that this like organization has so he has that very distinct you know knowledge of like being on the inside for so long that he he does have that it's like you know it's like like, that ultimate cat and mouse right where it's just like you know what the moves are going to be um and so he's got him sized up and poor Hester kind of in the middle but at least she's having a good time she feels valuable to his situation and she does feel some affection it seems like for him so Um, do you think that he's mm -hmm. really likes her no I can tell you
1: you don't. Okay.
0: The, in the book, I think he, does, he likes but having I think a moment I, with her, but, like, the yes. way he's playing it in this movie, it's, like... He, he's a million he's like miles he knows, away. He also knows it's, like... Like, he even says, like, ultimately, like, spoiler alert. You guys are listening to our show, so you know it's spoiler alert. But, like, she's going to die eventually because of this, you know, right? And he knew he that, knows I think that. from the beginning. So yeah. I think he, like, yeah, gave, gave himself a little bit of, like, space in that. Where, like, he... Yes, I'm happy to be... I'm with you. I'm happy to be around you. But I'm also your downfall, and I feel like shit about that. So you can't fully love that person knowing that you're going to be like that person's ultimate downfall i think that's where he said wow peter's a complex
1: oh, character piece of work uh, yep yeah he sure is so gillian ends up going to the paragon institute which is the uh where they have the kids but we never meet any of the other children
0: staying there can i just say that like we briefly we kind of get tests. like a little like intro right here where they're like doing their tests and so, and so and so and so and so are playing backgammon and so and so are playing chess over there like we just get these little like vignettes but, never, of them, but we don't actually interact with them nope yeah because i
1: mean like there's uh the stephen king book is the institute which is basically this kind of thing where you just have like mm-hmm. a institute of children so it would have been for fun for more interaction but you don't get that in the book either so i don't know uh so she's there they're doing a bunch of tests to see how psychic she is and she's passing with flying colors they uh make some hot fudge sundays, which is a, a very cute sequence um oh, and adorable <laughs> uh-huh, and so she's talking to the the head of the institute uh who's played by Charles Derning. this is Jim McKeever, and she slips and grabs his arm and gets a vision of Robin uh who is trying to escape, and they're trying and he's running up the stairs and he has nowhere to go, and he ends up falling out of the window, so yeah. now she knows. Something's wrong here.
0: Everything was going okay, and now something's wrong. She and thought she was there to get help for her issue of making people bleed, but she realizes, oh no, uh, this is where the double edged sword. This is what I was thinking of when you were talking about. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to touch things? I'm like, no, because when you to touch someone's hand like that, and like, yeah, yes, it's kind of good that you know that he's now evil, or this is a kind of a bad. The, you are in the bad place, but also, oh my god, like if you just touch somebody and it's like you can see every bad thing they've ever done, that would also right. not be right well Never it's also one. like
1: you know in the dead zone as well like this is the johnny smith kind of power and you know and, and he talks about in the book like you touch someone and he doesn't know what he's going to get he doesn't know if it's going to be past or present or future or like what important information there is and also it feels makes him feel like he's dying so there's you know there's that kind of thing that goes with it but they're talking about how uh gillian's uh, power to uh, psychometrize is is spontaneous so this is why she's she's making everybody bleed like but she can't control it because she has this enormous power can i just point out uh the cook in this who is adorable uh is large marge from what uh, from, from peewee's big adventure I now saw it i have like, to
0: watch <laughs> it again oh my god i love why am i obsessed with large large marge i want a large spin-off. <laughs> spinoff what is large marge's deal she has a whole thing going on man she yeah. is the most iconic most wonderful
1: <laughs> uh, scared me so fucking bad yes it? jesus uh Same. so Yeah. Uh, So uh, Chill just comes to Paragon to ask about Gillian and ask if she's able to telepathically link with Robin and see what he sees. Yeah, he's checking uh, in on, on the assets. So uh, it, it, the link in the in the book between Robin and, and Gillian is that they are psychic twins. So that he was supposed to be her literal twin, but the baby, her twin baby, uh, the cord got wrapped around his neck, and that baby died. So he had to like hop into another body. But they're still psychic twins, and so they've been visiting each other. They call it visiting throughout the whole their whole lives. But mm-hmm. then there was like a time where they weren't, and now they are again. So they can talk to each other telepathically because of that. So there's a whole like mystic kind of element that's not in this movie at all.
0: Got it. I was wondering about that. But it's interesting
1: because there's a lot of time spent with Robin in that kind of nebulous mind space where he can go off an astral project and talks about what's in that space, which I think would have been interesting for them to explore in this. But that takes it to a whole nother place that I
0: think is budget wise probably not viable in 1978. Yes and no, because it's like, or you mean like going into some like nebulous astral plane space or like. I think they did a good job of like jumping in each other's space, though. And then you could be like, "Oh, I'm seeing this from your perspective. I'm seeing this from your yeah." Perspective. And I, that I think works. they,
1: yeah, I think he does that really well of mm-hmm. you know it,
0: of being able to see. Uh, you know, De Palma knows what he's doing, right? Yeah. He can, he, can, he can make a shot, make a shot work. I think uh, pretty, pretty good at those, pretty good at that like filmmaking thing. I think you know, like I don't know, like he, he's. I'm so good excited though. we're talking about this movie. I love this.
1: I love De Palma. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So she ends up uh, making Ellen, who is one of the other doctors, uh, grabs her and makes her bleed out of her fingernails, which is such an image, right? Like it's so beautiful. I don't think I've seen that in a movie before. I've never also seen that like her- that
0: before. It's so mm-hmm. beautiful out of her eyes and just like the orifices of her body, her ears, all the, all the good places. And it's Ellie had, had pushed her when she was not supposed to, because, um, Dr. McKeever had told her not to, you know, kind of go like go further because he knows like what he's done. And he was like, Oh no, you're pushing down this rabbit hole he was trying to stop it but ellie's like no i know there's a connection and she got the gleam in her eye she did the thing julia where she got the like we could what what could be possible with her and, and robin and them together like can you imagine and yeah. she got o- ahead of herself and this is what happens when you get ahead of yourself if you're one of those doctors in the movie you're gonna be mm-hmm. died by or killed by your own creations right and the things that you push so yeah. uh, this is how we know that 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 horrible gleam
1: in the eye when they're yeah, trying that- to turn them into psychic i don't cuz it's never really clear what the intention? What's the end goal here?
0: They want right? to make them weapons, like right. They want to make them weapons, right? But the, yeah. like, it's
1: very overt in scanners and firestar. Like they want to make them weapons. They talk. Yeah, they're about like they're going to make an army. Yeah, but here I'm like, I don't. What do you? you're combing through the world to find these psychic children, but I don't know really what you want to do with them. I'm assuming a weapon because they talk about in the next scene, uh, we, we flash to the Psy Institute where Robin is, uh, where they talk about him having the powers of atomic bomb. They're like, he has no, and drugs are now having no effect and they've pushed him too far and he's unstable. So here's where things get tricky in the book because Robin is staying at the Psy Institute and we have Susan, who is his doctor who um and they talk they do it quite they tastefully. do this in the, in
0: the book they hang on uh, we're gonna hang out we're, we're, okay, we're gonna get there
1: so they do it quite tastefully here in the movie right that they we insinuate that they're they have some sort of relationship in mm-hmm. the book she is a doctor and but she is specifically there to use sex to break him down. Because she knows in the book he's thirteen. He turns fourteen in the story when she's at the science institute. So she knows as a fourteen-year-old boy, there's of course he's gonna. She's gonna. He's gonna do anything she wants, right? So like that's the whole ploy. So it's a very well, that big to be the part. ploy here too. It is. It is. It is but you it's know? different at fourteen to eighteen, right? It's like there's that. It's still not bad. Nice either
0: way you slice it. But I mean, at thirteen. I, I was like, ooh. I mean, that's just like that. Just puts all it the te- all it, it the show- all the questions of doctor you know like do no harm like she's not a do no harm doctor yeah, like that's like not. fully like this is, a this terrible this is person. i
1: think it's trying to show you how evil this this situation is and these people yeah. are that they're gonna like oh we just use sex and he's fucking petty in our hands it's no problem yeah. that that's something that they'll break somebody with that um so we do we do get that a little bit and uh, i would just like to point out um that uh susan charles who is uh, fiona lewis who plays this uh, character she's stunning and does a, a very good I, i'm a doctor but i i understand that you're that he's in charge really because he's having all these powers that he can kind of destroy her he and destroy moment. her
0: at any time if she if he turns so so she has to toe this line with him of like okay like tit for tat they kind of have like this very contentious relationship where they both know they're using each other at this point yeah sinister
1: sinister stuff very sinister. uh how um, about an indoor amusement park field trip that he gets to go on she's
0: like she's like hey we pushed him too far he needs a little bit of a break let's take him to a place where he can destroy the world perfect an indoor amusement park why don't you what a piece of shit i was like this is going to be so bad as soon as they went in this place like and
1: then just leave him to walk alone by himself right like, she's just gonna hang out and with
0: other guys so clearly she needed a break too but they need to do that at separate places at separate times like she needs to like have him be completely supervised and maybe not an amusement park maybe a place where there's no people maybe y'all need to go camping but they've chosen a place where there is literally everything can be a weapon yeah and it's terrifying the,
1: the the sound of an indoor amusement park the people screaming echoing off of the large cavernous space that they're in i'm sure hell to film in but also what an interesting specific noise uh, so robin basically has a big freak out because he sees people who are arabic who make him flashback to the mid-east that he was where earlier. his father was killed yeah father was killed and uh has a big freak out and ends up breaking the ride that they're on and sending it flying out in a spectacular Uh, sequence and for me i feel like this is just the the studio being like can you give us one more like razzle dazzle sequence here like just one in the middle it seems a little out of place to me uh but you know Like the whole setup
0: is like very implausible to me. Like you said, I'm like, okay, you guys know his capabilities, you know, his powers. You also know his triggers. So I was like, did they send him here specifically knowing all that shit? Like, is this part of the plan to see like to let him out in the loose and see like if he can like wreak some havoc and like in a controlled environment? Is this space real? Is it some place that they've constructed in this weird Mm. indoor like, you know what I mean? They're like, that's where where my mind went. I was like, this is this part of some test because they have it in some controlled space and like they do all this stuff? Um, even though like these people obviously are going to get hurt, but, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hot, hot mess
1: yeah well this scene's not in the book so i can't tell you what the motivations are but those are mm-hmm. interesting thoughts so hester helps gillian escape uh but it all goes of course terribly wrong uh peter ends up shooting the morgue driver which ends up killing hester because the car swerves and hits her uh she's and running then after gillian, he ends yeah. up having to there's an undercover agent who comes to grab gillian and he ends up having to shoot that guy uh and gillian is just standing in the middle of it screaming looking her horrified nightgown as you would, uh, but seems to trust Peter pretty quickly. And I'm like, I well, guess she, would just she, she was just cling on able to, to anybody. Touch
0: him, she was also yeah. able to touch him and it, like, he was kind Does of okay. He
1: t- him? He
0: had to touches her, I think, or she's like there. I thought they did. And he seemed okay, So I thought thought that that was like going to be her telltale. Like, okay, like, I guess I can kind of trust him. She's also I think once she figures out he's connected with Robin, that's like another like, oh, okay, this is the person I've been looking for to help me. Maybe because he's going through it, too. There's someone else like me. Um, I I can trust this. So um, they end up on like the craziest, wacky road trip, you know, the (laughs) back of a bus like. You know, with a, a little more comic, a little, 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 little bit of levity here with like some of the passengers being like, what y'all talking about back there as they're as they're getting drunk in the back or as Peter's getting drunk and shares a little bit of his, his hooch uh, with Gillian. Um, and they talk. He tells her to go off to Seattle instead and tries to leave her on the bus and he's not she's not I having I'm, it
1: i'm not clear what that seattle plan is what the fuck is that like his where her where her parents why would it like i they would they not i don't know this plan seems dubious he he almost leaves her on the bus and then she comes screaming out to be like what the fuck are you leaving me on the bus for and he slaps her across the face and then they have like Asshole a thing boyfriend grab moment all Man. of it yeah. yeah i don't know peter um, as, as we said peter's a very complex character i'm like i'm not entirely sure if you're supposed to like him or not which i think i don't think you
0: are supposed to like him i feel like he's also like was it's like one of those things where it's like you you paid the piper so long and now like you're coming back do you know what i mean though like because he worked for this organization he's done so many bad things probably over his lifetime he probably feels a little bit of guilt i'm sure the fact that like his child got roped in as well like on this other side of it so I don't know. Nothing's going to go good, as we can tell, at least at this point, I think. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, this it's poorly planned. He doesn't really have a plan beyond getting his son back. But what does that mean? These people are never going to stop following them, even if he like kills most of them. There's still going to always be somebody who wants this, this child because and this girl, too, because of their powers.
1: Yeah uh so we end up uh going with uh robin is starts to have some sort of psychotic break where he's having this really paranoid episode where he thinks susan is just uh sleeping with everybody else and also is going to replace him with gillian and they have this big uh argument about it and uh this scene pretty fucking spectacular let me Mm -hmm. just say he's Mm -hmm. uh killing her with his mind very you know he looks very calm uh and he's making her levitate and then just bleed out of everywhere basically and then starts spinning her so all the blood starts splattering it's pretty pretty it reminds me like a salad spinner sorry i was thinking about those things like the thing i had when i was a kid where you put a piece of paper and then you put the paint on and then you
0: spun it and it made the Uh paint i don't know what you call those things you're talking about i know exactly what you're talking about also made me think of like a sprinkler system so anyway you just put her in the middle and then spin it and all the kids can go play outside but um this is not outside this is inside and all the walls are dripping with blood so this is this is our our our, really our big big moment Uh um as he gets jealous of like what could possibly happen um he doesn't understand that gillian is like basically his like power twin he thinks that she's going to replace him somehow so this is like his like rationale you can get that he's just not very with it anymore like they pushed him so hard and just made him watch like terrible things like very like clockwork orangey of them to like Mm -hmm. make him watch terrible videos and make him like go through all this stuff and like they really push the limit of his emotions which is really really evil um and so then um gillian's right outside the door peter's right there too so he can feel their energy coming closer to them and he freaks out even more so he basically takes out everybody that tries to come into the room to help him Um, And Childress is like, oh, go get him. He's right up there uh, to Uh Peter. Finally, as it's like kind of the final standoff, Peter's like, all right. He just armed with a flashlight, heads upstairs to go to get his son. But his son is not his son anymore. Basically, he's like turned some sort of leaf in his brain where he can't really seem to function anymore as his son. And uh, he basically takes them both out by running through the window and out the ledge, kind of how he died earlier where we thought he died through a window. He -hmm. really does this time as they jump out through the window And um, they're hanging on by the edge of the ledge, but Peter can't hold on and uh, poor little Uh, Robin falls. Mm-hmm. Well, Robin, he tells Robin to climb
1: up his jacket and he actually claws at his face and that mm-hmm. makes him drop him. And then the guilt of seeing him fall, he tumbles himself over uh, a little bit different uh, from the book. So in the book, we have this uh, this sequence where Peter is actually recaptured by Morg and is brainwashed to be a sleeper agent where he's going to kill his own son. And in oh. the uh, they talk about in the sun, their, their nicknames for each other are Skipper and Commander. So, mm-hmm. Commander, which he kn- they know Robin will call him, is the code word. So there's this moment when they're hanging on the roof, and like Robin comes to and realizes, is like, oh, it's my dad, and he's like, oh, Commander, and so Peter immediately drops him and kills him because that's what he's been sleeper agent to do, and then realizes what he's done, uh, falls over, and uh, Child uh, Childress actually shoots him. So we see him uh, kill him in the book. So oh, a little awful. bit different. I don't really, I guess taking i understand taking away the sleeper agent uh storyline but why you wouldn't have children kill peter seems like a i don't know so uh flash forward a little bit we have gillian who is waking up in a very beautiful room but uh Childress is there just being like hey not a bad standing man Creepy
0: in the end of the room i just was like oh we don't get out of my room dude Mm-mm. all i want for
1: you is to trust me
0: like, no he's like never. I'm your daddy now basically he comes over to her and she's like you are not my daddy not my daddy now not my daddy ever and so she's like well I have these powers uh, you think you can be my daddy and you're trying to invade my personal space right now you know what you get for invading um, a pushers a favorite uh, personal space you get pushed so yeah. she gives him little kisses on the eyes eyes and his eyes turn all blood and he can't see and I love yeah. that I was just like Ooh, get it yeah, girl get him good yeah and she's, she's like you've get done the the worst to everyone well I'm going to do the worst to you and so he wa- stumbles around the room because he can't see anymore because she's kissed his eyes bloody and now uh she's gonna go for it and I love this you can go to hell yeah yeah and uh
1: she- he explodes into a billion pieces uh we get a-, a fantastic uh bloody explosion so I think you know it feels to me like you go from Carrie, we're like, okay, how can you top the ending of Carrie? Right? Like who can top have... that? Who could top that? Yeah. <laughs> top that. <laughs> top this. Top that. Okay. I <laughs> was really good about trying to stop that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect to be singing singing uh, teen witch talking teen witch. about the furry, but how here we are. And um, well they're it's, basically
0: it's what they are, you know? It's like what and, do you do with these teens that are, you know, with these extra powers. So and you know you have this
1: interesting uh ending if will more continue now that the head is dead what happens to gillian next uh one would hope her parents will come get her uh but where where does she go now having seen what she's seen if and done what she's done still
0: around who knows who knows yeah. what's happened in the meantime mm-hmm.
1: uh so yeah i think this movie is awesome i really okay. really like it um i would love to talk about some gore factor with you if
0: you oh might my God, like to hear about please. it i would love to gore you um, one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, a bathtub of blood. And five, run for the barf bag. This film is a four point five. I only reason stopping me from a full five. I know we we negotiated this ahead of time. Um, I just it's that '70s gore where it's but it's a lot. Like you got the blood all over the walls. You got a fully exploded guy at the end. Um, but it's beautiful, beautifully done. Mwah. Beautiful, indeed. All right, movie ratings. We got one, Chainsaw, if you're
1: desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, Seen Worse, Seen Better. Four, Not Too Shabby. And five, Fantastic Oracle. I give this movie a four and a half. I really, really love it. I feel like there's something... And I shouldn't compare them, but it's terrible to do. But, like, there's something, like, there's, like, this magic in Carrie that's not quite here in this. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's almost there, but it's not. There isn't. It doesn't feel the same kind of, like, oh, wow, the stakes are really high. Um, It feels, you know, you have these, all these different, like, you don't get that much time with Robin. Like, why do I... I feel like I need more time with them. I also them. Want like more done, sh-
0: Woody. Can I just say that? Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I, I would love like one or two more scenes with Dunwoody Woody, just for no yeah. good reason, just like Agreed. in there for like towards the end somehow, or like uh-huh. at the at Paragon, or like trying like to help. Like he him comes escape. to save her at the end, and he's all yeah. suave yeah. now, and he's
1: like, it was an all in act. I don't need him swab.
0: I don't need him I love him <laughs> as a hot, hot, beautiful mess, and I would, I would love it if like a hot mess can come help her. Like I think okay. that would be. Because he's what he's a pusher too. like he'd be one of the people who could understand and like could actually be like, hey, I can take you off the grid and show you how to live a little like I would love that. And they go up to Canada and they hang out with the Scanners bunch and then everybody wins. Yes. And what is your Uh rating? I gave this movie a five. Um, I did not have the same, I guess, Carrie baggage in my brain. Um, I love Carrie too, but like, I know that's one of your probably all time faves. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought the acting was solid. Like, I just, I think I was just there from the jump, from the beginning, from the weird little sequence, like with the the cops. Like, we had some comedy. We had some vaudeville with the old couple. Like, wow. I know you're like this is useless, but I was like, I love that kind of shit. I love a detour <laughs> where you're like the hero on a detour. My favorite parts of like even like Lord of the Rings is like when they're like we're gonna stop and have a meal. Like, I love those moments that's Mm -hmm. me as a chaotic DD player like i love that (laughs) like i'm like let's just go off and do a side side quest and then we'll get back to the main thing so i'm never mad about that i love long movies i love a little extra on top Um, i would have loved even a little bit more like i want the the longer cut of this i feel like there's some scenes that were not there Um, oh yeah
1: i would definitely watch that in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. Uh, so next week we're going to be talking about a movie that neither one of us has seen uh, which was a which is Francis Ford Coppola's first film, uh, which was done uh, produced by Roger Corman. Roger Corman. Yes, our, our, I cannot our, our, wait for this. The the guru, the the master who who made a million, he's launched filmmakers. a thousand ships.
0: Yeah, yes. he's literally like, the, oh Captain, my Captain. He's, he's he set, is set so many people on the course of of success. So can't wait so to see this. Yes, me too. So we'll be talking about Dementia Thirteen.
1: Such such a good title. So excited to see it please find us on all of our uh instagram twitter facebook we also have a patreon if you would like to support us we would love your support um we love doing this show uh we do it out of the goodness of our hearts because we love to For do it five years. years like what the heck five years
0: <laughs> amazing uh we also have a
1: teespring if you want to buy a shirt buy a bag buy a mug buy you know a sticker whatever oh you want to like
0: a makeup bag or whatever we got cute stuff yeah, on there i think there's sure, some fun things um, we love you all so much thank you for joining us I love you Julia you have a wonderful week thank you Terry I love you too and we love you listeners
1: you glorious loyal just go to citizens we will see you next week for Dementia 13 wah, wah, nah. thank you for listening Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Rhine hey that's me if you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horrormoviesurvivalguide.